From Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions, I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. Doctor, we're talking about something really interesting today, almost um, like a discovery that's going on, uh, namely because of the pandemic. You've observed it. You've observed it in your own practice, and you've even named it. So give us the name and tell us all about this new syndrome. Okay, Linda. You know, I've been seeing this daily now in my practice, now that uh, people are kind of allowed to go out a little bit. And I have coined the term cave syndrome, okay? And basically, is isolation what you crave? This it could be the psychopathology of our time, Linda. And what, is the, what does this mean? What's happened here is you know, that if we look back at the pandemic of 1918, if we scour through the psychiatric literature, we see that 40% of the people had prolonged post-traumatic stress syndrome. And this is really the psychopathology that we're talking about in today's world. Now, what, what, what's happened here? Well, there's like two groups. There's the introverts and there's the extroverts. Now, when I speak to people in my practice, and I say, well, how you doing? Well, the introverts say, I'm doing great. I love this. Doc, I don't have to go out. I don't have to do stuff. I love it. I hope it never ends. Then the extroverts say, Doc, I'm hurting. I'm going crazy. And what's happened here is as this has progressed, people, especially the most vulnerable people, we're talking about people with all kinds of anxiety spectrum disorders, like generalized anxiety, panic disorders, agoraphobia. Okay, these are the people, and there's genetic propensity for that, runs in families. These are the people that now really are developing agoraphobia. Yeah, before you get into agoraphobia, I just yeah. want to break this down for uh, all those listeners out there um, that want to keep this really simple before you, you get you know very detailed about it. Okay. Basically, if I'm right, tell me if I'm right, the cave syndrome is all about getting to like or love being isolated to the point where it becomes dysfunctional. Is that it in a nutshell? It, it, that is it absolutely in a nutshell. Now, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, we, we, I don't know how many people remember Patty Hearst. You know, right. she was... She became captive. She was kidnapped. And then she like fell in love with the captors. And you know, we call that the Stockholm syndrome. So many right. extroverts like her, they fall in love with being at home about the virus and they don't go out. They're like shut in. So this is very obviously dysfunctional because you've had like in the case of a Patty Hearst, very extroverted, a normal life. And then something very disastrous happens in which you are captive, in this case, because of the pandemic, you're captive inside your home. You grow to love that cage or that cave, as you're calling it. Exactly. And then, you know, what happens is it's subtle, too. You know, like sometimes the people don't really 
admit to it. They don't want to go out with friends, even if it's open spaces. Even if you have been immunized, these people, they still don't go. They have an excuse just to stay at home. That, that is happening in my neighborhood. I live with older people and m- most everyone has been um, inoculated. Now it's a month later after the second shot. And I would say a good 15% will not still leave. And I beg to say that they may not leave in a year or two years or three years. I mean, let's just say for whatever reason they became like that, whether they were introverted, whether they were extroverted, whether it's the Stockholm syndrome or it's agoraphobia, which you're going to explain in a minute. Is this curable? It certainly, um, it could be managed. Okay. First, I think what we're doing is we're trying to shed some light on this. People just aren't aware there's a real problem because it's kind of disguised, Linda. You know, it's like, you know, that agoraphobia is an extreme fear of going out to open spaces. Now, um, it's not, it's maybe more subtle, you know, that people give all kinds of excuses not to go outside. Although there's masks, there's vaccinations, you can meet people in open space. They still find reason, any reason to hibernate. And then they really become dysfunctional. It could be that they can't go anywhere. Right. So they become a shut-in. Again, they become shut-in. And then we have real other serious problems. People really can't function with friends, family, work, nothing. So you came to me last week about the cave syndrome. You know, again, that's a Dr. Bregman term. It's your observation. Um, you know, I'm seeing it. You're seeing it. This is something that is really happening. And um, as we are able to leave our caves, our homes, are you saying there is going to be a population that just has trouble going out the front door to resume life as it was a year ago? Absolutely. And a lot more people than we could ever imagine. You know, people that really have kind of fallen in love with being secluded, as you could imagine. And um, it's really uh, could be a real catastrophe for a lot of people. No, I see that. I I, I, you know what I see? It it breaks down a a relationship. Let's just say a mother and a father have developed this agoraphobia, this cave syndrome. And the daughter uh, who lives in another town wants to see the mom and the pop and they can't because the mom and dad are making excuses. They don't want to leave. They don't know how to leave. They've developed this syndrome. So I think you're going to see relationships damaged. Am I right? Absolutely. You know, it's a really debilitating uh, symptom. You know, when people are agoraphobic, they just really uh, they have this tremendous fear and they can't really go out and do things. Uh, and so w- what happens is, I think one of the ways I've helped people with it, aside from medication management also and some psychotherapy, is get a companion, okay? In other words, these people need somebody who's a little healthier than them, who could take them out to places. They go drive with the car, they go out to different stores or shopping or something and use a companion. That's helped so many of my patients. Okay, so that is one really great takeaway. 
So you basically, you know, use somebody to help you, give you confidence. So, and you do this in baby steps. Absolutely. And, you know, it's better that people get helped acutely, you know, when we see this happening, rather than it becomes like a chronic thing for months and months and months. So it's really important that people get professional help if they need it right away. When should a person seek help? When should it be identified as more than just, I like my house? When has it become debilitating and, okay, my companion trick is not working. I need professional help. Well, I think, you know, what happens is because it's on the spectrum of anxiety disorder, you know, people really are just terrified. I mean, you'll see uh, if you bring things up, uh, they have an an, uh, exaggerated response to going outside, to being in places. They've had severe panic attacks when they have tried, you know, to go out. They're filled with generalized anxiety and fear and worry that's just out of the normal, you know, for, for, for anybody. So this is something, like you said, that can be managed and yeah. therefore, but I guess, you know, I mean, as more people get vaccinated, as the numbers go down, as life resumes back to normal, I mean, if you're not seeing your friends, family coming out, maybe softly, gently give them a nudge to go seek help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't let it become like a chronic situation. You know, so, you know, when you could see a change in behavior in terms of how people are really socializing, getting out and really falling apart, that's the time to get some help. Well, you know, I think the first step of always managing or curing something is to identify it. So this is exciting, Dr. Bregman. This is exciting that, you know, you're one of the first people to identify this. Um, I know I'm seeing it. Um, Other friends of mine agree that this is a, is a syndrome we're seeing some of our friends and colleagues uh, that are suffering from it so we need to get all over it and and help those that are going to have trouble just getting back in step after the pandemic yeah and I think we need to talk about this some more in some of our up-and-coming podcasts and have, have some more patience to talk about and maybe some people could be calling in even about Uh, relatives and what they could do about it. Great. I love it. And now on to our next topic. And this could be something that helps CAPE syndrome among a myriad of other things. And that is the power of laughter. I love this topic. I think laughter is so wonderful. You know, the saying laughter is the best medicine. Well, it turns out that researchers and doctors have confirmed some truth in this that laughter does lighten the mood and it may just improve depression. What do you say about that? Oh, absolutely. Laughter certainly um, has um, a lot of physiological effects, a lot of hormonal effects um, on our well-being. So there's no doubt. It even helps our immune system. So um, there's nothing like having a good laugh. What, what it does physiologically is it, it, you, you increase your oxygen consumption into your, mu- your muscles and into your whole body, and it rejuvenates you. So right away, your blood pressure changes, your heart rate changes, and there's like physiological changes that go on. 
and it really has some very good therapeutic effects. It's great medicine. You know, like I've been in, in nervous situations where maybe I'm nervous, let's say in a doctor's waiting room. And if I, I hear somebody say something funny, it just seems like everything is much better. I don't know if it just distracted me, but if I start to laugh, all of a sudden, I'm back to my happy self. Yeah, I think it kind of um, it helps people cope with their moods. Um, it's, it could be a pain reliever. It, it secretes uh, pain relieving natural substances in the body. Um, it helps our endorphins. It helps our immune system. Um, and humans could learn about how to uh, use humor and be funny. It doesn't mean like you're born funny. Uh, it, yeah. it could be a learned behavior. Going to see your favorite comedian is laughter therapy, right? Absolutely. Oh, we all have a good time with that. I think, you know, we should all get on the bandwagon of uh, watching uh, funny movies. You know, I, I had uh, terminal patients, uh, cancer patients, and they used to watch like a funny movie a day and they got better. No, I mean, so, really? Really. I mean, so, and that is documented uh, in, in, in various places. So humor, uh, you, know, be, you know, laughing is really important, should not be underrated. Well, we've come to the end of our podcast, and I just want to tell you that, Dr. Bregman, you make me laugh. You're one of my funny friends. <laughs> you too, Linda. <laughs> you make me laugh, and, that, oh. and that's always good. Always. All right. Yeah, laughter okay. is the spice of life. Yes. So may your days be full of laughter, and I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. From Bregman, M.D., You've been listening to the latest episode of The Breakdown with Dr. B. If you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists, just head to our website at BregmanMD.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.